What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Summer Lunch Break. For today's episode, we're grubbing out with the GM of Liquid Force, official, if you know, you know, the man, the myth, the legend, Don Wallace. Don has been a part of the LF family for 25 years, getting his start in the industry as an intern, becoming the team manager for Liquid Force, and now working as their general manager. Don has seen the industry from all angles. During today's ep, we're diving into the good old days to hear some of Don's epic stories from Lake Powell trips to Brostock adventures. Don shares with us all things Liquid Force while we talk pro model boards, wake skating, and wake foiling. It's no secret that LF is one of the best, so why shouldn't they take wake foiling to all new levels? Why shouldn't they continue to push the limits of the wake skate game? Tune in to hear Don's answers to all our questions and so much more. Let's shout out, it's Don Wallace. You know what I'm really scared about? Is if the wakeboarders get too close to shore, they may use some people on the shore as, as bonking items. Don Wallace, welcome to Summer Lunch Break. What's happening? Thanks for having me. I got my official podcasting headphones we are on, so I'm, I'm ready to go. Official. Yes, yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Where are you joining us from? Uh, so I'm in my office in Carlsbad, California right now. Very yep. nice. Very yeah. nice. Okay. On the on the West Coast with me, I normally, most of the people I talk to are way over on the other side of the state. So cool that we're in the same time zone, which we're getting close to lunchtime. Not, not quite there yet, but I do have to start with the staple question of what you had for lunch or what you plan on having for lunch today. Exactly. So I'm going to start off with a healthy snack. We love that. Apple, yep. Yep. Which I try to have one a day, but I'm, apple a day. Uh, yep. I'm not that consistent. <laughs> um, but it is a Friday. So a lot of times we'll do go to pizza port, grab a beer at lunch. I don't know if I'm going to do that today. I might just do Chipotle or something. Ooh, yeah. What do you, what's your Chipotle order? I kind of been mixing it up. I used to always just get a either a veggie bowl or I'd get like carnitas in a bowl, but nice. I've been getting tacos lately. They're pretty good. Mm -hmm. Pretty fire. I like yeah. it. All yeah. right. Well, let's get started. We would like to kind of, you know, before we get into the nitty gritty stuff, I do want to hear your backstory and how you got to where you are today. So let's take it back to the beginning. And I'd love if you could give me a roadmap kind of, of, of your life leading up to us talking right now. Just, you know, wherever you want to start, well, just take us, take us on I'm a, a lot, I'm a lot older than you, so it's going to take a while. <laughs> no, um, yeah, where do I start? So I grew up, I grew up in Northern California, um, this little town called Nevada City. It's, uh, whenever I'm describing it, I just say it's in between Sacramento and, and Lake Tahoe. Yeah. Um, and it's it's where gold was first found in California. So it's nice. It's a pretty cool, it's a it's a tiny little town. I mean, it's you know, maybe eight thousand people mm -hmm. the population, but um in the summertime it gets kind of busy with tourists coming in to look at like where the first gold was found and first all found, yeah. yeah, all that kind of stuff. But uh yeah, my parents moved up there literally my parents are both from the LA area and they moved up there like a month or two before I was born just to kind of get you know, get out of the city and mm -hmm. yeah, I grew up, you know, grew up there, spent a lot of time in the outdoors, um, you know, riding bikes, skateboarding a little bit, things like that. Mm -hmm. And 
playing a lot of traditional sports, you know, baseball, basketball, even though I was short, so that career didn't last <laughs> long. But um, it's all it's about your mindset. If you yeah, follow your mind, that's all that matters. <laughs> exactly. I had a goal when I was a kid. I saw Spud Webb dunk when he was five seven. So I was like, I'm gonna dunk when I'm five seven. So did you? you know, well, I don't even know if I'm technically five seven, so I still have to <laughs> oh, so that it's open. Yeah, you've yeah, time. yeah. You've I'm, time. I'm really close. Um, but yeah, so then kind of fast forwarding how I got into wakeboarding and all that. Um, my parent, like we weren't a boating family at all. Yeah. Um, you know, I think my uncle had like a one of those jet boats with a big, big block in the back. Right. And, and yeah, yeah. We go out on that every once in a while and we go visit him, but really weren't into water skiing or anything like that. And I don't even, to be honest, I don't even know like how my parents decided this, but just one summer, my dad bought us an inboard outboard sea swirl and okay. came home. Just, I wake up in the morning, my dad's out front with boat, his boat. Boat in the driveway? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it was, <laughs> I, I think it was the summer after my sophomore year in high school. Um, and yeah, so of course my brother and I are, holy crap, what, a, you know, fired up yeah. and, mm-hmm. and uh, it came with some wood water skis. So the first day we okay. went out, we just, I'd never water ski before. We just like learned on these water skis. And then, you know, then that just became kind of our family deal. Every, every once in a while we'd go out on the boat and it wasn't really until my senior year in high school, uh, my girlfriend at the time worked at the local uh, shop. You know, it was a, it wasn't like a, like active, it wasn't a boat shop. It was just a Mm -hmm. sporting goods deal, but they sold wakeboards and so she was really into wakeboarding and so was one of the okay. other guys that worked there. And so they would take me out on her boat, her family's boat. Sick. Okay. Yeah. So I got into wakeboarding through that. And then it just kind of quickly became like both my brother and I were big into ski race, like snow ski racing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that would be like all we would do in the winter. And then the summer we'd go to Mount Hood for camps and yeah. like that. But then when we were home in the summer, all we would do is mountain bike or wakeboard and yeah we sucked i mean my brother was better than me like he could do a 360 i was like so stoked when i landed the 180 but <laughs> um you know we just had an inboard outboard tiny little wake and, mm-hmm. but just had a blast and that was like all we yeah. would do every summer and yeah just kind of kept doing that and went um graduate high school i went to as you know, the best, the yeah, best university yeah. in Oregon, the University of Oregon. <laughs> I should just end the call now. It's <laughs> over. It's over. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, I went to University of Oregon and um, when I was up there, I, I wakeboarded a little bit, but not as much as I wanted to. But yeah, I did have a friend who his family had a, uh, an actual wakeboard. I mean, I guess at the time it was probably just a water ski boat, but it was a yeah inboard boat it was the first time I'd been on a boat like that and it was just so fun and and yeah you know kind of rekindled my wakeboarding fire mm-hmm. and yeah I was I was doing sports marketing at Oregon and I you know at the time as I started getting closer to graduation I didn't know if if I wanted to work at Nike or if I wanted yeah. to work for K2 skis or mm-hmm come home and work for my dad at his body shop, you know, like whatever, yeah. just things like that. And I kind of luckily stumbled upon an internship at surfing magazine down mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Okay. And 
the year between my junior and senior year in college, got this job at Circuit Magazine. And it, I say job, it was, I wasn't getting paid. It was just an internship, but yeah, was there a couple of days a week doing, you know, hanging banners at surf events. And, and I didn't surf, I wasn't a surfer. I just. Was it doing that then? Was it kind of like, uh, was it intimidating almost? Cause it was like, for, fully. you know, like scary. That's scary. Totally. Like the only reason I got the job is because the marketing director at the time, Michael Marks, um, his, he was super into uh, like track and field and that. And okay. I think his family, he had some connection to Steve Prefontaine, like his, like Prefontaine was related to him yeah. to some extent. Okay. Okay. So he really loved University of Oregon and Nike and all that. So, you know, that was kind of our connection. Yeah. And, and I wanted to surf, like I, you know, any kid that grows up on right. the West coast, like, even if you don't really know how to surf, you try it every once in a while. Yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah, it was super intimidating to show up at surfing magazine and seeing, you know, all these like Sonny Garcia coming in to like get magazine so he could yeah. take out all the pictures of him and send his photo and send him to sponsors. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm fanning out all these people and then they're like, Oh, we should go, you know, at your lunch break, let's go surf. And I'd be like, like, uh, yeah, cool. Sure. I don't really know how to, but, um, like, ah, my ankle hurts. Yeah. <laughs> but what was really cool. So at one of the, um, I think it was the U S open in Huntington beach. We're at the surfing magazines, hosting a party. I'm hanging banners. And I hear this like crazy laugh in the background. And I'm like, Whoa, who's, what is this? person and I yeah <laughs> turn around and it's Tony Finn and oh no way I knew who Tony was because I had like that summer before I had obsessed mm -hmm. over um I think it was high wake drifters or wake the beast one of the really old wake yeah. tech movies and so I loved you know I was like stoked on Byerly and Gator and those guys and Tony yeah, yeah. had been in the video and so I walked up nervously and introduced myself to him and and told you know he was like oh who are you what do you do and like he knew my boss from surfing oh, and okay. and I was like yeah like I'm at surfing but I love wakeboarding like I suck at it but I love it I, mm -hmm. eventually it would be cool to work for somebody like you and so he invited me to come down a couple days a week um to intern too so I would like intern wow. two days of surfing then two days of looking for so <laughs> yeah wow. it, was a, it was a trip and then it just kind of went from there. I mean, I went back to school and when I was at school, um, the team manager for liquor force quit and I, like, I've never interviewed for a reposition of liquor force. Tony just called me and said, Hey, we got, I didn't even know what a team manager was. You <laughs> it's know? all about and who you know, right? <laughs> totally. And so I, I get this call and, and he, I've told this story before and I think it's funny because Tony was just like, wanted me to start then and i think it was in january so i still had you know five more months of college to finish and i told him ah, i really want this job but i need to get my degree yeah well oh no it's cool you don't need a degree for whatever the action sports it's fine like i don't have a degree this is tony talking and, and i was like yeah my parents would be super pissed yeah yeah <laughs> and he he literally was like well let me call your parents i'll i'll tell them what's up and you know, and it wasn't like Tony well, was going to pay yeah. me 50 grand or something. I was going to make like 18 grand. So it's not like mm -hmm. this crazy lucrative deal. So 
uh, I just tell him like, hey, thanks, but I got to wait. And so he was like, okay, well, we'll probably find somebody else. Well, they didn't. And so fast forward to I'm graduating <laughs> and he is still needing a team manager. And yeah, that's how it went. And now I've been here, I've been here 25 years. So Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That is crazy. What a cool story. And I love that. It's like, it's, it's almost like that's what you, that's where you were meant to be in the world. Just kind of shifted you into that. So that's really rad. I'm going to, backtrack us a little bit thank you yeah. for breaking that down so now i've got some questions for you you know you kind of mentioned as a kid you were mountain biking and skateboarding and i know you did a lot of skiing and i know you've been asked this before but i definitely want to just touch on it what kind of you know if you love skiing and you love being in snow sports going into the water sports industry give me one reason that you decided that that was what you wanted to do over like the snow industry yeah i mean it's funny because i i think it i think if i had had my choice at the time mm -hmm. i probably would have gone Absolutely. into the ski industry mm -hmm. um preferably but i didn't yeah. have but i didn't have the even though like i was around mm -hmm. reps and things like that it just seemed like I connected more with the wake reps at the time. I remember yeah. it's funny because he obviously wouldn't have remembered this, but Joe Sassenrath from Hyperlight, it was, you know, yeah. HO at the time would come into the local shop and he'd always, if, if he was there, like my brother and I would just be nerding out on, you know, Hyperlight stuff with right. him. And, and I just remember thinking that was really cool. So I mm -hmm. always kind of had in the back of my mind that the water sports reps were yeah. cool. Pretty rad. Um, but so I think the one reason I ended up in Wake is literally just because I met Tony Finn and that kind of randomly, you know, luck being in fell. the right place at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, so, but, yeah, to yeah. but to expand on that, like now looking back, it's funny. So my brother is in the ski industry. He, he worked okay. at K2 for a long time. He worked at POC. Okay. Now he works um, at, sorry, but at Evo on the, the <laughs> the the business development Sorry. side of it. yeah <laughs> it's a, it's another northwest retailer but uh yeah, yeah but he so him being in the snow side of things more has on it like he's had some amazing experiences he's gotten to go to europe and ski and do things like that mm -hmm. but it does seem like certain years like when he was working at k2 he was so busy in the winter that he didn't get to spend as much time in the snow go. whereas for me it was almost the opposite. Like I, yeah. I mean, now winters aren't quite as much of a down season because the business is so much bigger, but at the time I'd be pretty slow in the winter. So I could spend yeah. a ton of time, you know, in the mountains and, yeah. and it wasn't work. So I enjoyed it a little more. Whereas like mm -hmm. wake, I, I love it, but there are days where all I want to do is just get away and go wakeboard, mm -hmm. but then you're on the boat and you're, I'm with Jimmy Redman or something. We're talking about product and it becomes a work thing. And yeah, which, which is, you know, that's part of what makes this job so rad, mm -hmm. but it also, it's like, you kind of sometimes can't get away from it. And so I, I don't know when I go to the mountains, whether it's skiing or snow, I snowboard a little that's bit. Right. Yeah. To me, that's totally vacation. I'm not thinking it's about Absolutely. Weather. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's funny you say that. Cause I noticed like, we'll, we'll go out on the boat and I, we go out like as a crew, you know, off work, grab the boat, go to the river. 
And so it's like, it's like my work days are, you know, longer because I am, I'm with everybody and it, it doesn't feel like work, but I do, you know, I, we all, we have a saying, a couple of us, it's like always end the day with active because we always have to bring the boat back and drop yeah. it off on the lot when we're done. And it's like, I am, every time I come in, you know, drop the truck keys off or whatever we're doing, I'm like, I spend way too much time here. I am here all the time, but yeah, I mean, and it's, it's obviously cool. Like you obviously yeah. love being there. I know Dan and everybody like loves being yeah. more active and that's how I am here too. Like sometimes I trip out when I'm like my friends from out of town come here. My parents were just here this weekend and, you know, we're walking around the office and, and I'm like, man, I, rewind, you know, 27 years ago or 25 years ago, like thinking about, I have just like, I could take any board I want, go ride and all this stuff. And it's, it's really cool. But yeah, there yeah. are days where I'm like, I've been here 10 hours. I don't want to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to, I love home. everybody I work with, but <laughs> I would sorry. like to go home. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't want to go chill with you guys. I'd rather just go surf for an hour or something. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I want to touch, we're kind of on, I want to touch more on this, but I do want to step back really quick because you know, you've mentioned a few people that have been influential, but is there anyone very specifically besides maybe someone you've already mentioned that was just growing up very influential to you to where you were like, helped kind of, you felt like maybe they guided you to, to get where you are? Yeah, I mean, a, a, kind of a lot, right? Like, yeah. I mean, the, the it's, it's not cliche, but like, if you grew up in a good family, it kind of, like my parents were yeah. awesome in the sense that, well, A, they if my dad had never bought us that boat. Right. I 100%. Well, I don't know, maybe in college, I would have connected with somebody with the boat, but mm -hmm. probably not. I probably yeah. wouldn't have been in this industry. Um, and at a pretty like, you know, this, it wasn't like he bought the boat and then we were required to go out with him and my mom, like my brother mm -hmm. and I quickly were just like taking we're it. Taking it. We wanted. Yeah. yeah. And so that was pretty awesome. Um, and then nobody on this podcast is going to know this person but my, <laughs> my my really good friend Aaron Atkins uh growing up he's a he like runs the North Star um like ski race department now like he's, okay and he's he's done some pretty good things in the ski industry and he was kind of the first person I met at, like I was so baseball basketball football that kind of stuff and I met him on the bus and he was on the ski team and I did you know yeah. I was a skier like just for fun on the weekends with family but it never taken him seriously and he was oh, oh you should come try out for the team and you know I quickly learned yeah. about I sucked at that sport at the too, <laughs> until I started hanging out with him more but he and his dad kind of took me under the wing and got me they were the ones that would talk to my parents and say yeah you need yeah. he has some talent you should send him to Mount Hood for camps and, and okay through that, I kind of got into more of the, you know, action sports yeah. side of things, even though a lot of people don't consider ski racing action sports, but it, it's the same type I, of yeah. sport. And it got me kind of into that side of my brain. I, well, I still, to this day, I mean, I love regular sports, but my brain kind of went more mm -hmm. towards the skiing, snowboarding, surfing, skateboarding, mountain, that side. Yeah. You're oh, buddy, absolutely. You're my buddy Aaron, so. Nice. And I don't awesome. know if he even knows that. Like I've never told him that. So, I, but it it really like kind of changed where I went with it, which is cool. Play, Brad. Well, hopefully, 
Hopefully he gets to hear it. Yeah, make sure you have another follower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I want to touch a little bit, you know, we've kind of covered a lot of bases, but I, I want to touch a bit on the industry, the weight industry. So, you know, you've made this decision of it's kind of like you had your off season to go and see and do what you were really passionate about, but you also loved, you know, working and that sort of thing. Is there something that about the wake industry, like very specifically that stood out to you to where you like, it solidified that it was a good place for you to be? Oh yeah. hundred percent. It was the athletes. And, and I, what I would say about that is the way they, um, kind of welcomed me with open arms like like I keep saying I was like I loved wakeboarding we did it all the time but we weren't good like I mean we were never (laughs) same I never had intentions of being a pro wakeboarder because I didn't I just didn't because I wasn't good enough and I remember um you know when I got hired as team manager I'm Gators team manager, Sarah Klein's team manager, Drew McGuckins, Greg Nekrasen, Ryan C. Like all these people that I watched in videos. Yeah. I'm suddenly their boss. And you're like, so what do we do? <laughs> totally. And it was, you know, and it was, you know, at the time it wasn't like I was doing their contracts. Tony was still doing their contracts. Yeah. And I was mainly just sending them product and helping them get their plane flights to events and things. But I started traveling with them and it was never, I mean, I shouldn't say this. There was definitely hazing. Greg and Ryan definitely hazed the crap out of me at times. As should be always. Totally. <laughs> like they were, they were, uh, but it was like in a loving manner, I guess I'd say. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and then I would go to, when I started going to Orlando at the beginning, I would stay at Greg's house and you know, he introduced me to Johnny King and to Byerly and to all these people that, you know, I, I just remember Scott Byerly, for instance, like being super cool to me from day one. Yeah. And I was tripping because it was like, you know, at the time he was like the gold standard yeah. for a wakeboarder for everything yeah. I liked out of a wakeboarder. He was, right. you know, it was very far away from the water skiing side of wakeboarding. It was, mm-hmm. he was an action sports guy and he yeah. just was super cool to me and everybody was. And it was like, I mean, I think, I mean, I would like to say, cause hopefully I'm a likable person too, but, <laughs> but I just felt like they were very open and welcoming. And I don't know that other industries, I hadn't experienced that personally with mm-hmm. other sports and other, and you know, years later, my brother has told me because he's gone to some boat shows to hang out and things. And yeah. he's said that he's noticed. And he's like, maybe it's because I'm your brother. And so they're all being cool to me. He's like, but I see him <laughs> being cool. Well, like the evening with the stars thing. I mean, the athletes are genuinely intermingling with the consumers and having a good time. Yeah. Remembering consumers because they've been there year after year. And yeah, I don't think it's like that as much in like the ski and snowboard industry. Or, yeah some of the others. And what do I know? I'm not in those industries, but, but I got that right away at the beginning. And I was like, that's yeah. super cool. And, and I had the other brands too. I mean, for the most part, like the people at the other companies, I would always get the like, Oh, you're working with Tony and Jimmy. Like those guys are interesting, but they would always be super cool to me. And yeah. Yeah. I thought that was kind of fun. 
I think it's rad. Yeah, like you're kind of saying, we do have a very, it's a smaller, it's a smaller industry, smaller, I say that very lightly, but yeah, it's, it's very, it feels like a, a community, you know, and, and people are very like, from the day one, you meet them. I mean, when I'm talking to people that I've never met before, and we have these conversations, it's like, I feel like we're like, yeah, like I know them already. And it's cool. And it's, totally. it's everyone's so welcoming and so nice. And just, I, I love it. So that's, I definitely see where you're coming from saying like it stood out and it's a good reason to stick around for 25 yeah, and I, years. <laughs> and I, and I think it's still that same way. I mean, yeah, it's like anything there's, you know, I can't say I've enjoyed being around every single person that's in this industry. There's definitely some people yep. that have rubbed me the wrong way and maybe I've done the same to some people, but I think in mm-hmm. general, everybody is super cool. And, yeah, and you know, like, I keep talking about even with the stars, but when I go to that event, I'm not just in my corner hanging out with liquid force and doing our thing. Right. We're talking to the athletes from all the brands. I'm talking mm-hmm. to all the reps that are up there for the different brands. And it's, you know, it's, it's always cool. I think that's, yeah, that's fun because we're, we're competition, but at the same time, we're all doing the same thing. We all same. like wakeboarding. So totally. Totally. <laughs> at least we can agree on that. Right. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I want to touch on, you know, we talked about all these great people is, you know, I guess I've kind of asked this before, but where you are right now, like in the industry, someone that you're close with that you feel like you couldn't do your job without. Oh, that's impossible to say. One person. <laughs> the first person I need just one. And I understand there's lots but maybe someone that's done something that stood out, you know, recently that you're like, yeah, I definitely am glad you're in my corner. Oh my God. Well, I feel like I just need to say Aaron Grace because he's listening through the wall right now. But he's like I, I, there with a cup. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think everybody here knows like where I stand with, you know, how, how important like Aaron, yeah. Joe, our art director, Pete in design, Wade in design. Don't, I mean, it's like everybody. Yeah. Is, but I think, like, if I, if you were like, oh, who's your right hand person at the company? Mm-hmm. Probably Colin O'Malley. Um, okay. He, yeah, people don't know. He's our sales manager, and yeah, he started out in customer service and um, has you know, kind of like as I've grown, he's grown with the company too, and now he's our, yeah, he's our our U.S. sales manager, and he's awesome. I mean, he and I are very different in our mm-hmm. like I think I'm a little more comfortable going to events and being in that scene. Yeah. He's a little social. more like he wants to hang at his desk and get the stuff done. Yeah. Like, but he's so good with our reps and so good with our customers and mm-hmm. and yeah so you know if I have to say one like he's shout out Colin. And he and he's I mean everybody Aaron's been with us for almost as long as I've been here too. So it's rather yeah. how many people have been here for a long time so we all kind of have our each other's backs and we all totally we all kind of have done a lot of the same type of you know like with Aaron he and I have both been team manager we've both been mm-hmm. marketing. so it's like we see like I know what he's going through in certain right. situations you can connect really easily that way absolutely and that's, and that's how with Colin in the sales manager role like I know what he's but he's way better at it than I used to be and I was never I was never in customer service so mm-hmm that part of it, I didn't totally, I wasn't totally as good. It. Yeah. So yeah. it's been cool having him in that role to do that. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, I want to ask too, you know, you guys have all been doing this together for quite some time now and seen all different sides of everything. What, if you were going to give advice to somebody, you know, whether it be your younger self or just somebody younger that's trying to make their way into this industry, what advice would you give them, you know, on how to do that and the best way to navigate it? Yeah. I mean, I think I don't, I've actually been asked this question before and I feel like every time I give a different answer, cause I'm not, <laughs> cause there's not really like one thing to say, right. but I, so like in my position, you know, it's like I started not getting paid. Then when yep. I was getting paid, I was barely making anything. And, you know, I'm obviously doing way better now than I was then, but right. it's still, <laughs> it's still the wakeboard industry. So it's not like I'm making what I would be making if I was at Nike in this position. Okay. And I think, but, but I think that doesn't matter because it's like, I've, I, I would, I guess what I would say is don't, I know a lot of friends that straight out of college felt like they had to year one and two out of college have this like high paying job to justify college and if they didn't get in with a big company right away they're they were never going to make a bunch of money when they're older and i think mm -hmm. i don't like everybody's financial situation is different so maybe some people have to because they have to pay off their college debts yeah. right away and all that but to me i think i've seen a lot of people here that have started out here because they're passionate about it and not because they were going to make a ton of money and then eventually it works out and eventually you get to a position where you're doing well and and you know and i think i think longevity has something to do with that yeah um, so i don't i don't know how if that's a real answer but it's like no i i definitely i i don't think chasing money is the answer i right. think chasing passion and chasing something you're into and mm -hmm. and then eventually success comes with that i think that's yeah the biggest. absolutely well and i totally relate to that because like i graduated in 2020 and it was like okay, well, first of all, the world is shut down. Second of all, I have a public health degree and I was working here, but I was like, well, those don't really go together, but I don't really care because I like going to work every day. And yeah. I feel like not everybody can say that. And yeah, like there's the hard days that everybody has a hard day at work, you know, totally. and working with customers can be challenging at times, but it is chasing passion, doing something that like, you want to be doing every day, not just because it's going to get you a paycheck. Totally. And I was very, very nervous. I'm talking about myself now, but I was so nervous that like my parents were going to be like, uh, Hey, remember that degree you just spent three years getting like, what are you going <laughs> to, yeah. that just going to, you know, collect dust in the corner or what? But they've been so supportive because they know I'm happy and totally. I'm like, I'm doing what I want to be doing. You know, I'm not doing it because I, have to i'm doing it because i want to yeah so. and, and and i mean you're still young too so it's like you if this doesn't work out the way you want you can always go do something else and right i always kind of thought the same thing i was like hey this is rad i've never lived in southern california it'd be cool to live in a beach yeah. town figure it out and like you know now here i am all these years later and <laughs> I, I think i think the other thing too is I constantly, I mean, it's easier now because I'm in more of a management position and I can kind of guide people, but I used to, yeah. I used to stress about the dumbest things. Like, you know, a, I'm trying to think of an example, but like, 
you know, a board getting to a team or a board breaking or something. And I would freak out on our designers, like how our boards Why? are breaking. Yeah. What's wrong? Yeah. You know, and like, and now I look back and like, it, it, like it wasn't an issue and they're, they're working their best to make these things better. Right. And, and, you know, and if like some angry customer is calling me because something went wrong with their order, like you can always turn them around to a happy customer by just being nice yeah. to them and supporting them and mm -hmm. realizing we're not saving the world here. We're just selling yeah. toys. So, <laughs> I so there's, know. There's like days where we, you know, we'll be in these like kind of heated debates about something internally. And I have to step back and I'm like, why are you getting so worked up about this? Like, this isn't that big of a deal. And not, not to make it sound like we don't take our jobs and our business seriously. Right. No, I totally know what you're saying. Yes. But yeah, it's yeah. not like we're the president of the United States and we're running, <laughs> like we're, yeah. we're selling toys. Like that's the right. bottom line. So yeah, totally. And that kind of leads into another question I was going to have, because I feel like a lot of the times, you know, I'll have friends or people I don't see as often. They'll be like, your job is so fun. Like, what do you just get paid to be on the boat? And I'm like, no, I'm working all day so that I can go on the boat after work. Totally. And, you know, and yes, some work days I'm on a boat, which is so sick. And I'm always hyped about, but I think a lot of people maybe forget that like, this is a, it's a business. It's a business. Yeah. We're in the business industry. So I guess, you know, if someone were to like kind of, talk to you that way and, and maybe make it seem like, I guess, how would you explain to someone that it is a business industry? You know, like what? I'd show them the not spreadsheet. A well work, uh, not, yeah, yeah, I'd show them the spreadsheet, spreadsheet that I'm working on today and be like, does this look like business. I'm out on the boat? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, not, you can yeah. do spreadsheets in your board shorts, but it's still a spreadsheet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I think there's a ton of, so yes this job is way cooler than most yeah. you know like i can i don't have i can just wear a t-shirt to work i can you know eat lunch at my desk and yeah. things like that and and we have a boat in our little warehouse here that whenever i want we oh, could take it out yeah yeah mm -hmm. so there's there's all that stuff and you know and shoot i was just in germany and london for work you know so it's yeah. like i get to go to killer places and do totally. things like that but yeah it's at the same time i mean you know everybody's role here we take seriously and like mine especially now you know managing being the general manager it's like i have to oversee a lot of things including people's livelihood right like yeah i take that very seriously because i'm looking at you know decisions that I'm making that could affect everybody here's salaries or bonuses or, mm -hmm. or whatever. And so I think, you know, I, I don't know, I think because I'm really connected to everybody that works here. So it yeah. almost makes me feel like I have to work harder because I want to kind of keep the team. Yeah. Take care of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I do spend a ton of time staring at spreadsheets problem solving you know doing mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff that that anybody would do at any job and at any so, job yeah 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 i mean yeah. it's you know every every job's got its advantages and disadvantages and i right. think you know 
this job is just like any other job. We just happen to be selling funds. So it's a little more laid back. And yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But, I will but, it's say, not, but it's not like I get a wakeboard four hours a day and then I Yeah, and they're like, I mean, somebody's cutting you a check afterwards. Yeah, that's uh, not happening. And, and even when we travel, you know, it's like, it's like going to Germany's rad because before the meeting, we go on the standing, the unit standing wave pool. And then afterwards yeah. we go ride at the cable but we're sitting in a conference room for eight hours doing product presentations and stuff like right. that in the middle. And then you get done writing and then you go have dinner and drinks with everybody. And the next thing you know, it's one in the morning and then you're getting up early the next, I mean, so there's go to work again. Even, yeah, the, there's even a, the fun stuff's exhausting. So it's a, yes. I say that too. Like when we go do, you know, like when we went to dealer days, it was like, okay, you know, you can stay up till 2 AM, but there's school in the morning and you have to come, learn yeah. about everything and it's like that's still you know even if i was hung over like i want to be learning about it so it's like you, you gotta there's a very good balance of lots of fun but then also like business time yeah. business talk you know that sort of thing my, my I, first my first like uh i don't know how what to call this but like when i first realized like oh this is what this job is like is literally my first week at liquor force we uh we used to do the SIA trade show because we were mm -hmm. still trying to find a bunch of dealers so we went to the snowboard show in Vegas yeah. and I spent six days in Vegas and I remember just being like because you know you're partying at night and then you're in the right. booth all day and I remember at the end of that almost just being like I don't know if I'm cut for this industry <laughs> it was so fun but so tiring and yeah luckily I didn't change my mind after that because it's been great but yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of hard work that goes into everything oh absolutely and it's like those big events are those are things that you know like boat shows I get so excited yeah. for them and then when I'm in the midst of it I'm like I just want to go to bed I'm so tired this is such long days but then it's like you got to go out afterwards why would you not want to go you know hang out with everybody and it, it's exhausting but it's like you got to do it yeah you know it's so fun like you got to do it you got to well, work it, hard to play hard and it's funny because the boat shows are a lot more work for you guys than it is for somebody like me that just flies in for a couple days mm -hmm. but it's it's like the same with trade shows like then we have the setup and tear down and you guys just show up and so i think i think it's good to like i've been able to do one or the other because you realize all the hard work that goes into the other side of it yeah yeah it is and it's yeah it's not just the week of you know it's the week two weeks before and it's the week after getting everything organized again and it is it's it takes a whole team to make it happen but i, I just went it. i just went this week to the uh all-star like the major league baseball all-star game it was yeah, at Dodger Stadium, okay. and yeah and i was like i was sitting there watching just everything that's going on and i'm like so I get, I guarantee, well, like I have a friend that works for the Dodgers and everyone's like, Oh, that's so cool. Your job must be awesome. And it's the same thing. He's like, yeah, it's awesome, but it's still a job. And I, My job, I, was, yeah. I was thinking about every single person that went into putting on the all-star event and how much work and they probably have their friends at home. Oh, that's so cool. You're working at the all-star game. And it's, they're like sweating and tired and totally. nauseous. And yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah. It's really fun. Yeah. So I, so I think working in an industry like this, it makes you like appreciate. It's just like, if you've never worked at a restaurant, you don't understand how gnarly it is to work in food service. I think it's the same thing mm -hmm. with this industry. You realize how hard events are 
how rewarding they are, but how hard they are. So when you see other events going smoothly, it's like, man, that's a lot of work with that good right. on them for doing it. Yeah, it's sometimes it can be, yeah, it can be like overwhelming being in charge of everybody else's fun and making sure we, I always joke here, I'm like, we are in charge of everybody's fun, but when the fun stops, it gets a little scary. Like that's always <laughs> like, you gotta, it's like all hands on deck, fix it, like make the fun happen again. And it's, yeah, it totally. takes the village to make it happen. But okay, we wanna touch, you know, on, we'll take a step back and we're gonna talk about you being the team manager of liquid force so i would kind of you know you've touched on it here and there but i'd like to know kind of what is like the job description so what are you in charge of when you're a team manager for ls yeah so when i was team manager it's way different than it is now than it is now okay yeah yeah okay back let's talk about let's talk about what you did and then maybe how it's changed over time yeah so first off when i was team manager we were so much more of just like a united states based yeah. Team. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I guess we had like we had Shannon Best from Australia. We had Mark Matt. We had some like Australians yeah. and mm-hmm. we probably had somebody from Canada that I'm not thinking of right now. I mean, we've had tons from Canada, but I'm trying to right. think of the very beginning. But yeah, yeah. the job was so focused on honestly Orlando at the time. And so yeah. um, that's one of the biggest differences why my job was so much easier because I was just dealing with people essentially on my time zone and spoke my language and all that. But my job really was to um, make our athletes available for dealer demos. And, you know, when we were doing trip Mm -hmm. across America, I was scheduling who was going to be on the RV at what times, um, booking their flights, um, which we don't really do anymore. The athletes want to do that because they want to get their miles. On their nice. Delta card smart. or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah smart. But, but back then I would book all their flights. Um, mm-hmm. I would, you know, make sure they had product to, to test if we yeah. were doing new stuff, but then also, um, uh, you know, just product to have throughout the season. So I'd enter the orders, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Organizing the photo shoots, you know, we would do obviously the one once or twice a year, you know, catalog type shoots. Yeah, um, that kind of stuff. And I don't know. I mean, I, we always joked that it was like a babysitting role because because then I I traveled to all the pro tour events with the athletes. And mm-hmm. usually I would get the minivan and like cruise. Everybody Drive everybody around. around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And try not to wake up hungover and help and have them miss their starts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just like that. But yeah, it was mainly just that, like really just doing anything to kind of keep them keep them on the right path to promoting our product and, yeah. and, you know, driving up to a new dealer and being like, okay, this is the owner. This is the manager. These like, mm-hmm. you know, and I should be obvious, but make sure you're cool to them. And, you know, yeah, yeah. Be nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then, you know, and then I was really involved in when I'd be in the office and not working on team stuff, I would be involved yeah. in, you know, product decisions, like work, helping the, the, crew decide if a graphic was going to work or not um working with jimmy jimmy redmond at the time was our at the beginning was essentially doing our ad creative too so i'd work with him on picking the photos and you know that kind of stuff so yeah yeah what's uh as when you were the team manager what is one of the craziest memories that you have that you're like that was 
insane. Um, well, yeah, so the, a ton, this one was like super innocent, but it was like really kind of funny too. So, yeah. um, Sean Watson. So it was the Detroit pro tour stop. I don't, I don't okay. have a clue what year this was, but okay. I think it was one of the first years that Sean was actually riding for liquid force and, yeah. and was a, was a pro mm -hmm. and he had qualified on Saturday. He qualified first for the finals going in Sunday. So he was all stoked, you know, he's, it's like, I, I don't even know if he had ever made the finals before or not. Yeah. And, um, he and I were sharing a room and a rental car and the Saturday night, the pro tour had a big, uh, big party. Yeah. So we go out, you know, typical pro tour night, we're out super late, get back to the room and wake up in the morning and we had overslept like our alarm either, yeah. either didn't go off or it went off and we just ignored it and it went off till it it got tired and turned off yeah yeah and so let's so let's say the finals were at 11 mm -hmm. or, or 10 whatever time it was we literally woke up like 30 minutes before the finals were supposed to be going and we're our hotel was about 40 minutes away from oh my the God. site so watson's freaked out i'm freaked out i'm like oh my god i'm gonna get fired like if i don't get into the event yeah. misses a start and so you know, we're just hauling ass in this minivan trying to get there. He's calling all the athletes to be like, I need some help. He finally gets a hold of Parks. And yeah. I think I think Parks was qualified second or third. So he was gonna mm -hmm. be going right before Sean. And Parks is like, dude, don't worry, I got you. And I guess what he kept doing is he it was his turn to go and he's throwing his rope out and he kept purposely putting knots in his rope. So that <laughs> So oh then he'd, he'd have to pull it back and then try to untangle it and then he'd tangle it, throw it, and like literally park no stalled. Way. Stalled for like five minutes for us. And <laughs> we come, like I'm driving the van down the like grassy. Where like, I can see you guys just yeah, trying to get like fan, fans are having to move out of the way. And like Watson jumps out, like literally gets his gear on. Like I think he's changing his board shorts in the van as we're going. Yeah. Gets his gear gets to the dock right as it's like his time is about to expire. Oh my they God. let him go. He wins the contest. And I remember that to so then that night was the biggest celebration. <laughs> yeah, ever, but, yeah. But it was like such a awesome, like, it's, yeah. But Sean and I were already good friends at that point, but that was like a forever bonding. That like solidified. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Totally, yeah. Totally. There's so nothing that, like pure havoc to bring you and somebody else together to where you're like, Oh, this friendship will work. I think it's totally. nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But wow, they're, shout I mean, out they're, to Parks. That's yeah. pretty rad. That's, that's no. genius, honestly. Like, you know, I would think, like, for me, I'd be like, wait, everybody, wait, like, wait, wait, you know, but you can't do that. So how, wow, how smart are yeah. him to do? <laughs> and, and think about how many other competitors would have been like, screw that. Like, I got here on time. Like, it was just right. really, yeah. I thought it. I thought, I mean, Parks at that point didn't have to prove anything. Everybody knew he was the best, but I thought, yeah. it was, I thought it was super cool. And that's really rad. I mean, there's, there's been other crazy times of driving the RV with Thomas Terrell and Miles Vickers and Jim Leatherman, and they're shooting fireworks inside the RV while I'm at me while I'm driving, like thing, things like that. But, uh, but yeah, as far oh as my a P, gosh. as far as a PG story, that one with Watson. That one, that one will work on here. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that sounds 
crazy. That just is insane. All right, we're moving. We'll move into. Um, I just asked how that job worked, and then we went on that little adventure, and I'm, now I'm like, <laughs> wow, that sounds so fun. Now I kind of want to go shoot a firework off for some reason, but yeah. we'll uh, <laughs> we'll get back on track here. Um, you know, talking about riders and whether they're shooting fireworks in the back of an RV or not. How does Liquid Force choose their riders? How do they deem someone fit to join the team? You know, what does it take to become part of the LF family? Yeah, I mean, it, a lot of it is related. There's, I don't know, it's weird. There's just like a, like a style that we kind of yeah, have always okay. gone for. I mean, yeah. like back at the beginning, there was definitely the, the ski board style wakeboarders, mm -hmm. you know, I won't name names, but they were, cause they were great people, but they just, mm -hmm. they were very like edging super hard into the wake and, and real quick tricks. Whereas we were really more into the Sean Watson style of rider, or, yeah. you know, even though he didn't ride for us, Byerly, you know, that mm -hmm. just real stylish, more yep. skateboard, snowboard style. Mm -hmm. um, and I think if you just look at like our entire history, it's like, whether it was, we've always just had riders like that. Um, you know, whether it was Melissa Marquette or Colin Harrington, or, you know, it might not have been like the gnarliest contest riders, but they were just really smooth and stylish and kind of yeah. influential. Um, you know, Shane, same thing. And, and I think that was like the start and that wasn't me. I mean, at the beginning, that was Tony and Jamie right. mm -hmm. that vision. And then I, I fell in line with that because that's how I liked, that was a part of the sport I liked yeah. too. And we've just kind of always gone down that route. So it's like a unique style is a big part of it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think somebody like Raptor Rome, like who's probably my favorite rider we've ever had. Just, I love yeah. the way he does this thing. And it's just, it's weird. Like when people ask about style, it's not like everybody, there's different styles that everybody likes. Right. But there's, yeah. But there's just something about the way somebody like that rides that I've always thought was really cool. It looks, mm -hmm. it looks kind of effortless and like yeah, smooth. And so that's a big part of it. Um, now too, like in this newer generation where social media is a big part of it mm -hmm. and athletes personalities are a big part of it. We, we look for somebody that's going to, um, you know, we don't, we don't always need the perfect clean cut person. Like we have a right. bunch of idiots on our team, but even when they're idiots, they're still super cool people and super nice yeah. and like, um, understand that we can't do this without the fans and the, you know, the mm -hmm. customers are buying products. So, um, just somebody that's a good person is a big part of it too. Yeah. Um, I think we've had this reputation over the years of like, kind of being like the party team and we're not <laughs> not that serious but like or or we're just out there doing whatever but like yeah you know you have somebody like Gunther and somebody like Megan that are such great ambassadors for us like they yeah. rip out on the water but they're also just really nice people too and they yeah. care about and I hardly I mean you go down the list of all our athletes and so I think that's a big I mean they've gotten older. So that's part of it. They've gotten more mature, but yeah. even like the young, the younger riders that we have, you know, like Claudia over in Italy, she's so nice. And her dad is so yeah. nice. And, and so it's like, 
first glance you might see she's got this nose ring and tattoos and she's just kind she of looks like a badass girl. yeah <laughs> yeah but then you get to meet her and you're like oh she's just super nice sweetest like, thing ever yeah can't believe she's in the position she's in and you know i think that's a big part of what we look for too and i and a lot of times i mean a lot of times we you know be like aaron grace or tom boucher pick them because they like the way they ride and they've met them in an event but a lot yeah. of times it's it's a dealer telling us hey we've got this local kid you should check out or yeah you know and he loves liquid for that's another thing too it's rare that we'll I don't want to say steal because that's not the right word, but it's rare that we'll take a rider that if the rider has grown up loving slingshot or loving whatever, mm -hmm. like it's super rare that we'll try and end up, yeah, or end up having yeah. a person ride for us. Usually it's somebody who, you know, maybe they bounced around because whatever they're, right. They just bought, rode whatever their parents bought them, but yeah. like, it usually ends up being somebody who is like really stoked about liquid force too, which, yeah is cool because that you know like i don't want them just riding for us because we pay them the most i want them right. riding for us also them because they believe in the brand their mindset's a big deal too yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely so when you're you know putting your teams together and you're deciding on that local guy you know and you're bringing these people together from all over the place how yeah. do you kind of control the sense of camaraderie and and keep you know just keep the vibes up. Is is that challenging or does it happen pretty easily for you guys? It's way harder than it used to be just because, because mm -hmm. you mentioned the international part. So broader. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like now, you know, it used to be all our riders were in Florida. So how we, we get together, right? Yeah. I'd fly to Florida. We'd get in an RV, we drive around the country and you know, right. you'd have a blast. You'd fight every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now it's, I mean, there's a lot of our, team riders that haven't met each other before you know because because it's not just wakeboarders it's it's boat riders that maybe never go to a cable contest yeah. or wake surfers you know like like tommy shashim hasn't met he's met most of our boat riders because he'll be at a boat shoot you know with right. with them but he hasn't necessarily met daniel grant or you know somebody like right. that so it is kind of tough but i think we've I mean, and it's been tough the last couple of years because right, yeah, there's been less opportunity for everybody to get together. Mm -hmm. But um, Tom and Aaron have organized these like, I, well, I, I think it's quarterly. I don't know if we've literally done it every quarter, but we'll do Zoom or team meetings where everybody yeah, 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 gets together. And it's 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 usually like because we want to update them on some things we're doing in marketing and update them on mm -hmm. product. And it's kind of funny because they'll be some team rider on his boat partying and he forget he doesn't ever mute so like, we have to oh, keep yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah you're like and then like luca and sam look like they're just on a bender sitting on the couch together yeah, so, uh... yeah so it's <laughs> so it's it's kind of funny but it's been kind of a cool way for people well for me personally to meet some of the younger riders that right you know i don't know but like and even aaron i mean he doesn't go to as many events as he used to same mm -hmm. as me and so tom and nico and some of those riders are, are you know team managers are more in charge yeah. of who we're getting but it, there's that i mean but there's still time like like uh this year our for the 2023 product all the park stuff we did a trip in italy very um, cool yeah where aaron grace and adam who runs our 
our sales and marketing in Europe. Yeah. He and all the athletes went, you know, on this thing. And so that was kind of cool. Like it's, it's again, not the entire team, but it's mm-hmm. the park segment or whatever. Gets yeah. To Get together and go do that kind of as yeah. a group, which is yeah. cool. Yeah. That's, that's rad. Because you, you want, I mean, you want everybody to kind of be like-minded in there. Where are we, what direction right. we're going? And mm-hmm. yeah, and it's way, I mean, it's like, I wish we had the budget that Red Bull seems to have where they can invite a hundred athletes to a thing and Get spend together. five days together. Like we don't really do that, but mm-hmm. yeah, we try to, we keep, we keep talking about doing a reunion at Lake Powell and just getting oh. everybody on houseboats, but that would be insane yeah 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 that would be rad i i can't imagine someone not making time to go do that so i mean they all (laughs) they all remember or they've all grown up seeing you know the footage from relentless or just some of our old catalogs or really powell so they know how rad it is but Mm -hmm. yeah it's also pretty expensive so (laughs) it is is. yes it is for sure for sure. I kind of want to touch too, you know, as we're talking about these athletes and, and them, you know, how you choose them and how you bring them into the team. I want to ask, as far as pro model boards go, I feel like some, I don't know, and maybe it's just me, maybe I don't get it, but I feel like some riders, sometimes I see they sign with the team and then they've got one the next year. And then others, I'm like, well, they haven't, they don't have one yet. And so I guess I kind of want a better understanding of how getting your own pro model, how does that happen for someone, for an athlete with yeah. liquid force? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's not like a set of rules like, okay. Right. Like boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Cause I've, I've heard in the past, some brands have been like, they have to have one contest or they have Do to. This and, yeah. Yeah. And they, it's like they qualify and then, okay, cool. Right. For us, it's more of like a gut feeling of when you know, yeah, yeah, like like, I mean, there's some that are obvious, like obviously Megan Ethel should have. Well, I don't know, if ob- I don't know if obviously any athlete should have a model <laughs> necessarily, but she's been at the top of her game. She's so influential. Um, she does so much for the sport, so it's like that's an obvious yeah. one, right? And then there's you know somebody like Daniel Grant, Harley Clifford, where it's like they're they're at the top of their game and so they should but then there's others that um yeah like like so on our women's park team you know Mm -hmm. uh anna is established has won a lot of events is such a rad rad person and so she's had her board for next year um and this isn't a secret because this will be out by the time (laughs) claudia panini is getting a uh, pro model next year. Awesome. Which, Hell yeah. And it's rad because she's been not the contest matter, but it's like she's kind of justifying. She's just been she's yeah, she works hard. Her. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and there's plenty of other girls that we have in the international scene that are rippers and and maybe they think they should have a pro model or maybe somebody else thinks they should. And I think it's just not quite there yet. And mm-hmm. You know, we get a lot of um, we get a lot of like uh, input from our distributors. So our distributors yeah. in Germany that are super into the sport, you know, that own Langenfeld Cable Parks and all that. They, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're running Langenfeld Open and big events, and they're constantly like, okay, this girl or this guy has that it. Person. Like, yep. 
So mm -hmm. it, it's kind of like just a gut feel, you know, it's, yeah. it's obviously marketing plays into it too. Like if there's somebody totally. that we, we've had athletes in the past that absolutely rip, but they're kind of assholes and yeah. you didn't really feel like they would why yeah you know serve the brand well and mm -hmm. you know and a lot of them at that point left our brand because it wasn't you know they really wanted a pro model and then we've had other athletes that have been with us forever and probably if we didn't already have a pro model for raf or for harley or for right daniel maybe they would get a pro model and they, and they probably could get a pro model of another brand mm -hmm. but they're okay with it you know and they're yeah and maybe eventually they'll get one but I think, and I, you know, I don't want to name any of those names because I don't want to bum them out if they know that's what I'm thinking. But there, right. there's definitely some people that I think, you know, like probably could leave Liquid Forest, get a pro model with another brand, but, you know, they're just stoked on right brand and, and we're supporting them enough, you know, too. Exactly. So. Yeah. That doesn't solidify you as an athlete by any means. It's just, it's an extra perk, you know? Yeah. And pro models are an interesting thing. I don't know. I mean, you or anybody active probably would know this more than I do, but I don't know how important it is necessarily anymore for sales. Yeah. I think it's less important than it was when we had Sean Watson, when at the time it was Hyperlife had Parks and yeah, or, or Ronix with Danny Hart. You know, it's like 100% those boards were selling. Because, because their names were on it. Yep. Their names were on it. And I, I don't know what the difference is. I think, I don't, I don't think the brands are doing worse marketing. I think maybe just no. the consumers aren't as It's just kind of shifted. Yep. Mm -hmm. So we've had kind of conversations internally. Should we have less pro model? Should it be more, it's not about an individual. It's more about the team. So we work on a couple right. boards. So there's a couple athletes that currently have pro models that for 2024 were possibly talking about them combining and working on a board together that'd be cool yeah yeah which it'll be interesting because their styles are kind of different but they also kind of like riding the same type of board so yeah i think that it's it's just changing a little bit you know oh absolutely and i notice it too like when i'm you know when i'm selling and i'll be talking about megan's board and be like yes megan echo's pro model board and i've got some you know gal in there and she's like I don't okay. know who that is. And I'm, I'm like, yeah. yeah, I guess that's true. Like if you're, you know, if you're not involved in the industry and you're not paying attention to it, but you go out on the weekends on your, you know, uncle's boat, totally. then yeah, like there's a difference there for sure. And I catch myself doing it very often. I'll say, I'll be like, well, this is Harley's board and this is how Harley rides. And so this, you know, maybe it would be good for you. And people are like, okay, uh, this is my first wakeboard. Like, I don't know who that, and I'm like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like totally. I tell people all the time though, I'm like, if you're gonna, you know, if they leave with a Harley board, I'm like, your homework is to go home and Google that man, because you need to see what, you know, like that's why this board exists is because of him, you know, that sort of yeah. thing. So I'm always, I'm always telling people to go, go look it up. Like you need yeah. to know, because it is, there's a lot behind having your name on a board. And I think it's important that people know that yeah and, and even though i say i think they're kind of less important than they used to be in terms of it's not it's not an automatic the name, yeah right it's it's yeah it, i know what you mean for sure it used to be when we had a sean watson board like mm -hmm. and i've and i've heard this from ronix with danny Hart. it was 100 that was going to be the number one seller mm -hmm. by a long shot yeah now there's so many different styles of boards and 
you know, throw in wake surfing mm-hmm. and foiling and all that. It's like, it's right. not, it's not so obvious today that, um, you know, that it's not like Daniel Grant's park board is going to be our number one selling board right. or that Nico's is or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just, if that happens to work and, and I mean, obviously there's plenty of like super fans of these athletes. So right. it's not like that's going away. It's just, a little, it's just different. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Daniel's board's pretty rad and I'm pretty pissed that I lost it because it's sold, but you know, maybe, maybe I'm not pissed it's sold. But. I'm not mad it's sold. I'm, I'm kind of mad it's sold, but I'm not totally <laughs> mad it's sold. I'll make this work, but I do want to talk to you, speaking of him and, and, you know, wake skating. Like, I want to touch on that with you because I know it's important to you and yeah. I mean, it should be important to everybody, but I feel like liquid force has been very loyal to the wake skate game for a long time. And I don't know, this isn't meant to be mean, but I don't know that other brands really put as much effort into it as you guys do. So I kind of want to, I have a question here that if I don't read it, I'm probably going to do it wrong, but (laughs) you know, why, why do you guys still place a heavy, heavy focus on wake skating? What, what is it? You know, what's the reason for that? Well, one, I would say if we were giving ourselves a grade, I don't think we're doing as good a job as we used to because okay, partially because, and this is why I think like why some of the other brands have either completely dropped it or don't pay attention. Yeah. The market's not what it used to be. Yeah. And because there's so many, you know, you can foil now, you can surf now. So a lot of brands that weren't really that into it from the get go but they mm-hmm. saw an opportunity. Oh, people are buying me. So we should of course yeah. do a wake skate. Mm-hmm. As soon as the sales started dropping, they got out. We obviously we sell not as many as we, or, oh, not obviously, but we don't sell as many as we used to. Right. So we're not marketing as much as we used to, but mm-hmm. why do we still keep multiple wake skates in their line? Why do we still focus on it yeah. and, and try to promote it? Because it's awesome. I mean, that's right. It's, it's, <laughs> that's a very good answer. <laughs> I mean, that's the basic answer. And I think we, you know, from the early days, we were exposed to the potential and to the amazingness of wake skating through Thomas Harrell and people like that. And the cassette, our, our involvement with cassette at the beginning got us really in the mix with it and that was when you know there were multiple brands all of a sudden like after cassette all these other brands started coming up like you know remote with silas and those guys and 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 so we were part of that and it was we were part of that because they opened our eyes to it but also we loved it i mean that was i had three years probably where i never did anything but wake skate if I was on the boat or the yeah. cable park. Very nice. And I love, it just was, it's funny. Cause like I talked about earlier how I was kind of a crappy wakeboarder when I got into the sport and then hanging out with the athletes, like you just naturally start getting better. Cause you're, but I got to a point where I could, I was like plateauing. It was like, I could do a 360. I could do a tantrum. Like, you know, I never could really do that many tricks. And I started getting a little bored with it. Whereas then wake skating was this whole new thing. New challenge, yeah. And, it, and it, I was kind of at the beginning where like, if you could do, if you could jump the wake, heel side, toe side, if you could do a 180, like you were getting in the magazine. And like, totally. 
I was kind of right there with those guys. So was Aaron Grace. So it was like, you have a lot of our crew that quickly, we quickly got lost, in the, <laughs> you know, once they started doing really, really crazy stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just really like, I've always really been stoked on what Thomas started back then and yeah, and where all the other wake skaters took it. And, you know, now it's at a point where it's like, I, when I watched Daniel do his laps at his park and it, it just, it's, it's unbelievable. Insanity. Absolute I, insanity. Yeah. And I will say that I think that is part of what slowed the sport a little bit is that the riders got so good. That it was like people couldn't, it was so far away from anybody else's reach to get to that point. It kind of yeah. set it. Yeah, that and makes I, sense. And I hate, to, like, that sounds lame to be like, <laughs> right, they got too Dan, good. <laughs> Daniel Grant, you got too good. You know, all these Reed <laughs> yeah. Hansen, you got too good. But it's like, but that's part of it is I think the average consumer looks at it and they're like, well, I can never do that. I can't, and, yeah. And you do fall a lot, wake skating. And so it's like, there's, there's just some of that where it's lost its luster a little bit. But yeah. I've said, as long as I'm in this position, we'll never not sell a wake skate. I, I just think that. it's, I think it's cool. And, you know, obviously we have Daniel, so he pushes us on it too, right. but, but all our other riders do it too. I mean, they all like doing it every once in a while. Yeah. And oh, it's we, we go to the, yeah, we go to the cable park and it's like, you do a bunch of laps on your wakeboard, then you grab the skate and Wait, go out skate there. And go do that. Yeah, yeah, totally. I found, I got, I love going to like Goodwill or like thrift stores and finding like old wake gear. And I found a barley wake skate. And it was like, it's like a 39. It was like, it was $13. I was like, oh my God, like I have to get it. And so I right. bought it. And of course, you know, I come home with another board and my mother is just like, really? <laughs> you need another one? And I'm like, no, 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 uh, yes. this one's, it's different. It's not a wake board. It's not, no, it's different, you know? And she's very supportive. So yeah. I'll give her love. But I have started taking it out when we go on the boat and I suck. Like I am so bad but I love it. I love being bad at it because I know there's no, like, there's no expectation. Totally. So when I just go out there and I have fun on it, it's like, Oh, this is so rad. Like I just, I always love taking it on the boat now. So. Yeah, I do too. And it, and it like, I suck. Like I, (laughs) like we're just back and forth. Like I am so bad. (laughs) Well, but like I got to where I was actually kind of decent at it. And then now I do it less. I'm not as good, but it's still like, it's so fun. It's just different. And yeah. I don't know, like it, it's a blast. Like, I think it's yeah. really fun. And I, I just, every time I am out with friends, I'm always like encouraging, like, Hey, just go yeah, like try, try it, it once. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't have the shoes. You don't need shoes. Just ride barefoot yeah. and cruise. You yeah. know? Do it. Yeah, absolutely. I had a customer come in the other day and he was like, my son said, you guys have water skateboards. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I don't know what exactly you're talking about, but I think, I think it's a wake skate. And so I started talking to him about it and he's like, oh, this is, you know, I used to wakeboard and I, I can't do the falling anymore because it hurts my my back and all that stuff. And I was like, yeah, well, this is rad because you can fall whichever way you want because you're not totally. attached to it. And he was like on cloud nine to see, he, he, you know, I don't have a surfing boat and I don't want to be strapped into something that's going to hurt me and all this stuff. So it was cool to have someone come in looking for a skate and being like, this is the coolest thing ever. I am yeah. so excited to do I, it. I've found a lot of like, older uh people that get into it yes and not not that they're old but like like, 
they're younger than me, but like Noel at Wake Island in Sacramento, mm-hmm. um, whenever I go up there, he and our rep, Chris Patterson, and I will all wake skate. Noel is just like, yeah. I just love it. I can cruise. My, my friend, Mike Olson, that's been um, with like Ski Rickson, um, mm-hmm. you know, he opened the Kansas City Cable Park and all those. Yeah. He like every year hits me up for a new wake skate and is just so yeah. fired up. And, you know, and I think it is because like, wakeboarding especially with the new boats it's a lot more like you're going big when you're even right. just hitting the wake oh yeah and so it it hurts a little more than it used to <laughs> yeah, yeah. and and uh yeah so i think it's rad i think wake skating is super cool oh absolutely and you did you mentioned you know all these riders got so good that it almost seemed kind of like unreachable for like the daily consumer and so I kind of want to act I want to shift into talking about foiling yeah and we'll get to my question in a second but I have one I want to talk about first you know you guys I feel like LF has kind of taken the wake foil world by storm you guys have definitely made your mark on it and and really I don't know when when we're selling foils it's like yes there are other brands that make them but we found that just your guys's the run that you offer and what, you know, you can kind of customize on them. It's great. So what kind of, you know, developmental, what do you guys do to kind of figure out, you know, board size and wings and all that sort of stuff? What, what kind of research goes into that for Ella? Yeah. I mean, just a lot of foiling, honestly, like, like it's funny because when I remember when Tony, like, I think even Jimmy didn't think it was that cool. Like Tony <laughs> Ben, because so we used to have liquid force kiteboarding and yes. you know, you know, being close to Hood River, like foiling, foiling became a thing for kiteboarding and mm-hmm. um, still is a big thing. And Tony working with those, I was never working on the kiteboarding side and Tony working with them mm-hmm. saw, oh, maybe we can bring this into the wake side of things. <laughs> and you know, when they started doing it and I, I think Slingshot had theirs at that time too. Yeah. Um, and Tony was really like pushing us and like, you know, we, this is the next big thing. And, Do this. Yeah. And I just thought it was so lame. And I was like, all you're doing is just standing there, like yeah. you're not doing any tricks or, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and it took a while and then it was like fast forward a couple of years and everybody that had tried it was like, yeah, you're kind of just standing there, but it's so fun. It's and it's, cool. <laughs> it's so right. You got to try. And then it was like all like our cool athletes started getting into it and they were having yeah. a blast. And so, I mean, I was like one of the late adopters to it, but then it's like, oh my God, this is so fun. Why was I right. anti it? And so, yeah, I mean, like anytime we go out on the boat, like, there's always somebody, if not all of us, that are trying that. Um, Jim, Jimmy Redmond spends a ton of time for like that's he's really gotten into it, spent a ton of time. Pete Marinoff, yeah. who is one of our designers, he actually lives in Hood River, but works, you know, remotely. He's gotten really into it. And so it's just trial and error. I mean, a lot of nice. our original foils sucked compared to our new ones <laughs> because we didn't really, you know, everybody was- You gotta figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. And so now, I mean, and we're looking towards, you know, the kite side of things. And, and, you know, we have our other brand Freedom Foil Boards. It's a Mm -hmm. ocean foiling and and like wing foiling deal. And Mm -hmm. 
looking at the technology that's in that industry and that side of the sport is so cool and so yeah. you know so much better than it was a few years ago and so it's just mm -hmm. yeah bringing that stuff into our into our line and totally um, and it's it's funny because it's still even when i watch like gunther or luca or you know any of our riders that are Me, really into it so easy totally. so easy <laughs> but, but they also don't they're not doing that much they're just yeah. turning but they're like upset like they love it that's it's all they want the to do yeah. yeah yeah and then when i get back there and i'm i can't do that i'm like oh my god that is hard what they're doing like mm -hmm. i want to get there so right that's cool and so and our reps all are super into it now and i mean i think it's really you know and dealers too i mean i remember you guys you know it was like year one you'd have maybe a couple of the slingshot ones and like one of mm -hmm. ours or something you'd sell it and then you'd call us to order another one now right. dealers all believe in it too because because you guys are all doing it too and it's like mm -hmm. you know i think and there's more education on yeah. how to do it what type i mean that's what we're working on a lot now is more how to's more yeah but i mean but boat instruct like how to drive the boat for a foiler versus right recording or surfing and all that so. yeah absolutely and that's rad that you guys do that because i think it can be you know like to the dad that comes in because his kids were showing it to him on google and he they you know he's buying it for their lake trip this weekend it's like it's cool to be able to reference you know you can do it behind anything and here's how to get somebody up and that sort of thing. Cause it is, oh, it's so different and it's this whole new world. But I, that also makes me kind of wonder too, like, do you see kind of like with wake skating, you know, do you see people getting to a point where they're like, this is so freaking hard. I can't do it. Like those guys, you know, do you see any potential burnout for foiling? I mean, I would say no, but I would also say yes. It's like every, yeah. every, everything gets, anything, you know, right? yeah. anything goes like that. I think the difference is that like, I think the fact that it's not about tricks, like it's just cruising. Yeah. Like, like if you're, cool. if you're a wake skater like me back in the day and you could do a wake to wake and then the next trick was okay, do a 180 and mm -hmm. then, and then you see people doing crazy shove and kick flips and all that yeah like to try to learn uh like a 360 shove it, it you're gonna fall a million times over, unless, over and over yeah unless you're just like somebody that just picks things up really quickly yeah. but most of us don't mm -hmm. whereas foiling you don't it's not like you're i mean yeah people are doing crazy things on foils but not that many and not no yeah it's pretty so it's really, I think, just about figuring out the balance and figuring. And I think once people figure out the balance, then it's like, okay, now I want to figure out going back to the second wake or the third mm -hmm. wake. And now I want to figure out, you know, let's put two boats together and things like that. And right. so I don't know. I don't, I mean, I think it's not like people are going to, you know, travel the world foiling. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's not going to be foiling content. I mean, maybe, but. I think it's just more of a fun it's like you get burned out on wake surfing and then you then you foil then you maybe you get yeah. a little tired foiling you go back to wake surfing but it's not mm -hmm. like either of those things have this like all of a sudden the pros are doing things that are just so far out there that kind of push people away yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely all right well we're gonna kind of move into the memories you've made um 
this was kind of like I mentioned before we got started, you know, just I, I want to know some of the fondest memories that you've made being in the wake industry. And I, I was told of a story, I'm going to guide this first one, but I was told of a story of there was a houseboat and there was a boat behind it being towed and it, <laughs> and it was sinking. And I feel like any boat sinking story is always worth being told a million times. So let's hear it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I was, yeah. So this was, which is funny. You talk about memories, like some of the best memories I've had at this job revolve around Lake Powell and yeah. our, um, you know, we used to, we used to do all our photo shoots there for the website and catalog. And mm -hmm. we'd go to Lake Powell for 10 days with, you know, two or three houseboats and all the athletes and Josh Letchworth, Joey Medock, Justin Stevens, yeah. you know, people like that, Mark Shanka, Sean Kilgus, that coming out to film and shoot. And it would be really, it'd be a lot of work, but it'd be super fun because, totally. you know, you're just chilling on houseboats with your athletes and shooting you know, yeah. all day. So this was like, I don't, I forget how long ago this was, but one of the last times we actually did the shoot, um, we, we were sponsored by Malibu and which we are now again, Malibu access. So the story didn't ruin our relationship with Malibu. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we still well, are with them. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. So it was the last day and typically we shoot in the morning we clean up the houseboats, we load up, you know, we're maybe two or three hour boat ride back to the marina where we drop off our houseboats and we get out and head home. And it was a crazy stormy, like windy day. So the main channel, I don't, have you ever been to Lake Powell? I've never been. So I, okay. I don't know. So then, you know, you end up hanging out in all these bays that are, you know, usually really good water, but then the yeah. main the main channel where everybody has to go and get everywhere it's just where those pictures if you've seen of like just rocks mm -hmm. that are you know 500 feet up the water just starts bouncing all over like crazy back. yeah yeah and so we you know we'd always tow we'd have like four wakeboard boats with us so we'd tow mm -hmm. two boats behind each and maybe a jet ski or two and this one particular trip back to the marina i'm driving the houseboat and it's super rough and you know we're just doing this and occasionally we're checking on the boats behind us to make sure they're okay and well I guess we didn't check as often as we should have <laughs> I'm driving and all of a sudden like everybody's just sleeping or whatever also yeah. Shane, Shane Bonifay comes running down from upstairs just like almost speechless because he doesn't know what to say He's yeah just like, like <laughs> oh so, something's wrong back there and like I was like, what are you, dude, what's up? And he goes, the boat, the boat, uh, something's wrong with the boat. And so I'm like, okay, I stopped the houseboat. We're just rocking. I go back there and I see one boat and I don't see the other boat, but it kind of takes my brain a second to register. And there's debris. There's like life vests floating, like seat cushions are floating. Yeah. yeah. All, all of a sudden, uh, and there's footage of this somewhere because Justin Stevens, instead of like trying to help, thought it'd be funny to like film us through this. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, there's always someone like that in the group, so, which later you're like, thanks for doing that. But in totally. the time you're like, I need to what hit him up yeah. and see the footage. But all of a sudden, it, 
the water starts bubbling. Next thing I know, you see the top of a tower, a wakeboard tower, and the boat pops up, but it doesn't, it doesn't just pop up and then, hey, it's floating. Right, yeah. It kind of comes up and it's still tied. It's still hooked up to our- So you're just dragging it. Yeah, so we're dragging it. We don't know how long, but it was 10 feet underwater or whatever. It's oh just tracking. So it comes up. Uh, instantly, we're panicked. Like, oh my God, what do we do? We're out in the middle of the channel. Right, yeah. So I go back to the houseboat. We try, we find like the next little, it's not even a beach, but just like a little spot we could pull off. Pull off, yeah. And then I, it was like, I think at the time it was like myself, Shane, Colin Harrington, Justin, Tino Santori. And we're like, we pull the thing in. We're trying to figure out, okay, what should we do? And so we get out right. there trying to bail it, but the back of the boat was in the water. Mm-hmm. So bailing it wasn't doing anything because it was just still sitting there. Bring it in. So Colin comes up with the idea. I think it was Colin comes up with the idea, fill a ballast bag with air and, you know, fill two of them and we'd strap them underneath the boat and fill them. And that lifted the back of the boat enough. No way. To where it wasn't totally in the water. Yeah. And then, and then we just spent hours bailing it. And the funny thing is, in the meantime, uh, I think Aaron Grace was driving our other houseboat, mm-hmm. and he's a, he was ahead of us. Right. And they they look back and they're like, "Where did like?" They're just like, "What is Dawn doing? Why is he driving so slowly?" And then somebody came up to them and was like, "Hey, are you guys with that liquid force boat?" And told them what was up and told them. So like an hour into this, us trying to figure out the boat, That's everything, yeah that crew shows back up and then we're all helping. And I mean, there is, I had the worst sunburn I've ever had in my life. <laughs> we're not Only think- to make things worse. Yeah. But, yeah. Cause we're not thinking like, Oh, we need to put sunscreen on as we're bailing the boat for like two hours. And, and yeah. And so we ended up getting the thing to where it was floating. Obviously we didn't start the boat. So we tow it in, get it out of water and, are told like hey don't start this thing the wiring could be totally messed up and yeah and it was and we took it back to the Malibu dealer and it was like you know twenty thousand dollars worth of damage like the engine was the all the wiring was shot everything and you know I'm thinking like we just had this great photo shoot and now we're gonna have lost our boat sponsor yeah yeah we're in trouble yeah and the funny twist of the story is at the very end of all this, like the boat gets back, redo it. Uh, Lonnie Farmer, who was the marketing director at the time, yeah, she ended up buying that boat for her personal boat because they, it was like a reject boat at that point. They gave her such a mm-hmm. good deal and she had that boat for a long time. Like she might even still have that boat. So. Yeah, the sunken boat. Oh my yeah. God, that's insane. Yeah. Wow, yeah, I all I was told is like, yeah, he sunk a boat once, like, like talk about it i'm like okay yeah sure like that well and to this day i blame it on melissa because (laughs) because i'm blanking on what the name is but there's this huge rock like arch at lake powell yeah yeah Um, yeah. i'm blanking on what it's called but anyway you're not supposed to go under it it's like because it's like an indian burial ground and all this and like oh bad luck it's bad luck. Yeah. And so that day we had all, or the day before we all walked up to go check it out. And I think Melissa and Colin went under it because they wanted to take pictures. 
And so then the South and Savannah was like the joke. It was like, this is Melissa's fault. She... You guys. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So does she think it's her fault or does she deny that? Do you know? Oh, no. She thinks we're all crazy. She just thinks she, she's like, it's absolutely not my fault. I'm not, picking on her. <laughs> I'm not taking the blame for that one. Well, hmm, I might have to ask her about that because exactly. I'd like to hear. <laughs> At least she got her picture, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so wild. <laughs> nobody, nobody was hurt, so it was good. Right, as long as everyone was okay. And yep, yeah, yep. both got out of the water. Yeah, so exactly. It's good. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's crazy. Well, I also, I kind of want to touch on, like, I heard, you know, you and Tom talked about some bro stock stuff. So I'd like you to pick one memory, whether it's your favorite or the worst or the craziest, whatever it is, I'd like you to take it and I'd like you to break it down in the who, the what, the when, the where, and the why of what happened. Can you think of something that you can yeah, well, so, break down? <laughs> I mean, so maybe the worst is what I just told you. We sunk. Right. Yeah. That one. Okay. $150,000. But uh, no, the, it's funny because there were so many, I mean, there's like a lot of. Right crazy things that there were like stupid things that were happening at the events but um one like night that i'll never forget that was so funny was and dangerous but at the time it was so funny <laughs> that makes it more fun we like and you know this is one of the years where it had grown to be a pretty big event and there were probably yeah. 20 houseboats lined up on the shore and mm -hmm. this was kind of the like there was this year or two where for whatever reason we had our team members just loved having fireworks with for the rv and for whatever <laughs> yeah. and so we had a bunch of these like fireworks with us and this one night in front of all the houseboats after everybody's partying this full-on fireworks battle starts oh my god and I, like the who i just remember like all the people from alliance like Bill McCaffrey, Corey Rana, yeah. Garrett Cortez was probably with us, Tony Smith, and and then like all the local force group. But then there were all just like these random people, you know, just that were there for the party. And we literally were like lined up, like one side versus the other side, just like, and everybody was there ready with their fireworks, just charging at each other and then letting oh go God. of the fireworks and just literally shooting fireworks at each other. And so so stupid i don't think anybody got hurt we didn't burn anything right <laughs> but what i remember being really funny was jimmy redmond had he had a tent it's, he wasn't sleeping on the houseboat he had a, um, a lot of us had tents on the roof he had a tent just out on the dirt out in front of our houseboat yeah and was like i feel like i know where this is going he was, like in a different, <laughs> he was in like a different state of mind basically passed out in his tent right and he comes to and he looks out and he just sees like and he thinks he's just seeing this crazy like he's like so out of it yeah yeah show. yeah and all it is is he's just caught in the crossfires of this fireworks show oh my god so, yeah, yeah nobody was, thought you know maybe we should not do it with him yeah. at all. it's like yeah he's in our way we're totally. trying to have a fight yeah <laughs> totally. we're dueling <laughs> Oh it my was, gosh. It was good. I mean, luckily most of the most of the good stories from Brostock were pretty pretty tame and just like Thank you, Mellow. Yeah. Yeah, you know, everybody just having a good time and there were never any fights or anything like that. But 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and most most people like the cool thing was like it was at night. So most people it was like we weren't partying and going on the boats and doing stupid stuff. Like we'd always pick a stuff of area where there'd be like a big, good you know, big place to pull off. Yeah. 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 So very cool. nice. Very nice. Well, good story time. Those are very fun, fun, crazy, chaotic memories. I want to, before we wrap up, I have a special guest question from uh -oh. someone who, if you weren't wearing headphones and I talked louder, they might be able to hear me ask it. It is from your good friend, Aaron Grace. And he is asking you, I mean, if he's over there, he should just come in and ask you. But his question is, thinking back to trip across America, what is your memory of Team Extreme? Oh, yes. <laughs> you got the double thumbs up. That's, that's actually good, a good question. Because when I, when he was on the Powell movement, yeah. he has inappropriate questions at the end. And when I, when I was on Mike's show, he wasn't doing that yet. So nobody could ask me anything bad. Right. When Aaron did it, I asked the inappropriate questions and I got Aaron pretty good. So I was thinking it was going to be like a, <laughs> You thought it was going to go a completely yeah. different direction. Yeah. You're like, okay, we're good. <laughs> no. So team extreme extreme is so stupid. It was me, Aaron, and Chase Hefner, and it was trip across America. We were doing like the East Coast leg, okay. and I don't even remember why, but I think like extreme sports was what everybody was. You know, everything was extreme, yeah. and so yeah. Chase and Aaron and I just decided like every day we were gonna do something extreme, and it wasn't ever extreme, but <laughs> if it go. felt extreme, then it was. <laughs> yeah, it was just us being stupid and making fun of it, but we'd like jump off some bridge into the lake and yeah we'd always x them up like we'd be extreme. <laughs> team extreme yeah yeah so we had this full like week where we were team extreme together and oh my god I love and that. like we would start you know we'd be doing demos with kids and we'd be like like chase would be like yeah i don't know if you guys know but today's tryouts for team extreme so we really gotta so we'd like force kids to just kids that couldn't even jump away we'd force them to do like a <laughs> uh Rayleigh or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go there and try it. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. So it was it was kind of it was just fun. It was just good, stupid stuff. And it was just us, you know, working all day and then driving all night to get to the next event and right. of like the next crazy thing we do the next day. And yeah, yeah. That was that was fun. Oh, uh, I love it. There's probably more like if you ever interview Aaron, there's probably more that I'm not I just I actually just remember it being super fun and we like jumped off a lot of bridges. And, yeah. And, we'll have uh, to get, we'll have to get his side of the story and then maybe you can ask him inappropriate questions and, and yes. you know, like we'll yeah. set him up. Don't yeah. tell him that. Hopefully he doesn't watch the end of this and then yeah. maybe we'll get him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll get him. <laughs> exactly. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all your amazing stories, all the insight on Liquid Force and everything you guys are doing. It's always awesome to hear, you know, that inside scoop stuff. So I'm just really, really hyped to, to hear everything from you. And thank you very much, Don. Yeah, no, thanks. This was, this was super fun. And I think, uh, I don't know, it's sometimes I'm like, why does anybody, like when you ask me, like, why would anybody want to talk to me about stuff? But then I think back and like, I've, like I've, I've been fortunate to be involved in a lot of fun things over the years and like met yeah. a ton of pe cool people. And I think, I think 
you know, that's been the best part about this industry for me is just, I have friends all over the world, you know, right. and, and including you, you know, it's like I have yeah, yeah. you and Dan and everybody up there, like that I truly consider as good friends just because of totally. the job we have in the sport. Right. Game, so yeah, oh, I think it's is, cool too. Rad. Like that full circle of like, I mean, I, I think the first time we met was on Gunther and Megan's porch. Yeah. Just hanging yeah. out, waiting out the rainstorm that, that hit in Florida. So it's pretty cool to see how you can make connections and they last for a long time, which is cool. Yeah, no, <laughs> totally. So now I guess it's time for- Now it's lunch time. I get to go yeah. out lunch, so. Go <laughs> have some lunch. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Don. No, thanks. I appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to listening to all the other ones. Absolutely. All right. Later. Cool. See you soon.